0: Well, let's go to the Bible and the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter nine. Pretty long chapter here. Got some wonderful things in it from the Lord. I hope it's a blessing to you as we're going through this book. Don't you look forward to meeting Nehemiah when you get to heaven? See, I read about you, Nehemiah chapter nine. We've arrived at verse twenty-two. And we'll read a few verses here. I try not to drag the scripture out, but I want to say everything it has to say. And, um, but look over there at the first 27 verses of chapter 10. We'll probably cover that pretty quick. Unless you want to preach that. But we're in Nehemiah 9, verse 22. We'll start reading there. The Bible says, Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations, and didst divide them into corners. So they possessed the land of Sihon, and the land of the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, king of Bashan. Their children also multiplies thou as the stars of heaven. And brought us them into the land concerning which thou hadst promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it. So the children went in and possessed the land, and thou subduest before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, and gave us them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. And they took strong cities. And a fat land, and possessed houses full of all goods, wells digged, vineyards, and oliveyards, and fruit trees in abundance. So they did eat and were filled and became fat. That's Brother Gibson's favorite verse in the Bible. All kinds of things are in the Bible, aren't they? So they did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in great goodness. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee and cast thy law behind their backs and slew thy prophets, which testified against them to turn them to thee. And they wrought great provocations. Well, we see these verses all the way down until the narrative changes in verse 26 again, just like the previous verses that we were reading. God's done so much for them, and we want to look at these things that God did for for Israel, and He's done many of these things for us, I believe, as well as His people, just in a different way. He says in verse number 22, Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations... He reiterates that or, or gets into that a little bit more in verse number 24 in the middle of the verse where it says, and gave us them, the Canaanites, and gave us them into their hands with their kings and the people of the land that they might do with them as they would. God turned over kingdoms to Israel and nations and peoples to Israel and said, do with them whatever you want to do with them. I'm going to put you in charge of them. I, I'm going to give you the kingdoms and the nations that you didn't build and you didn't have anything to do with. But I'm going to give you victory over all of them. Israel was given the kingdoms and the nations. I'd say this, in spite of the backsliddenness of Israel, they still have the kingdom. They're just not fulfilling it yet, but there's coming a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will rule and reign, and Israel will again be at the top of all the nations. And that's ahead. That's just ahead. But the Bible lets us know here as He's giving them the kingdoms, He's showing them how good that He's been to them. Now, if you know, He says, He mentions in verse number 22, they possess the land of Sihon. And you mentioned in the end of the verse, the land of Og, those were two kings on the other side. Even before they got into Canaan, they got into a big fight and battle. And there were kingdoms before they got into the land God had promised them. And God even gave them their land and gave them their kingdoms. The kingdom of Og and the king of Sihon. And after they got into the land, hold your finger there and turn over to Joshua Joshua chapter, turn back to Joshua chapter 21. Let me show you how many kingdoms and nations that he actually gave to them. It was astounding how many victories that he gave his people, even in spite of the fact of many times of their disobedience. In Joshua chapter 12, he starts listing in verse number 1. He says now, Joshua 12.1, now these are the king's. Of the land which the children of Israel smote and possessed their land. And he starts naming all of these kings. And look at look at verse number nine. You got the king of Jericho, and verse 10. Look, look at 11, 12, 13, 14. Look at all these kings 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. 22, 23. You see all those kings? Those are nation after nation after nation. Kingdom after kingdom. That God just gives them the victory. And he says in verse 24, at the end of the verse, all the kings, 30 and 1. 31 different kings and kingdoms. And God just keeps giving them the victory time and time again. You know, God's got power, and he's got power more than any of the nations have power. If you read the book of Joshua, some of those kings even got together. They said, well, if we'll put our forces together, we can st-. you can't stop God. Amen. Now, when I look at that and the blessing of that, it doesn't matter, oh, we're going to get a new fight. Going to get, you know, it's like these, like these boxers or UFC fighters. You know, he may win a whole bunch, but he's going to find somebody he's going to meet the next time. It's going to whip him. You you don't ever keep fighting and win all the battles. Isn't that right? Somebody's going to have your number. But not Israel. 31 times knockout. Because God gave them that victory. Now you would have thought, well, all those victories, they would have just said, well, glory to God. Hallelujah. God, whatever you want me to do, you gave me 31 victories wonder how many victories God's given you in your life. You know, I got thinking about the United States. You know, he's given the United States dominion. He's given us power over kingdoms and nations. Many of them. Not the whole world, but I mean, you start looking at the history of our country. I mean, we've, we, we whipped the French, George Washington whipped the French before we were even a nation. The, fr- the French, yeah. And then if that wasn't enough, they, they took on the next one. They took a- we whipped Great Britain twice. They, they were so great that they got beat by just some little people. You know what I think? I think God gave us a victory. I think God gave us the nation. God gave us the kingdom. God gave us the power. Not only that, we, we beat the Spanish we beat Spain, Spanish-American War. We beat them. yeah. Beat Mexico. Beat them twice, too. Had to let Texas do one, and then we did another one later. Yeah. Right. And then if that were another, we went to World War II and said, well, let's just beat a whole bunch more. World War I, beat Germany twice. Okay, it didn't have to be that way. History didn't have to be recorded that way. I think God gave that victory. God gave it victory. Beat Italy twice. Just think of the victory that that God's given our country over over so many things that could have gone a different way. A different story could have been written there. Beat Japan. Amen. We beat Japan so bad that now we we have all their electronics. Right. Right. Isn't that right? And, and, and God, I believe God has been good to America. And God has given this victorious thing. We beat, I remember growing up as a boy, and we'd have, a, we'd have, uh, uh, you know, drills in public school. We'd have nuclear fallout drills. How many of you are old enough to remember that? Well, thinned out the crowd on that one. Yeah, public school. We, wasn't tornado drill, it was, uh, nuclear fallout drill. Because of the Soviet Union. Well, they don't exist no more. You say, well, yeah, yeah, I I know what you can say. But you know what? That went away that fast. And we grew up in fear that there was going to be a nuclear holocaust and life was hanging on a thread. And that fast, God said, I'll take care of that. And you would think the United States of America would bow the knee and say, what a God that's been merciful and kind, nation after nation after nation. The Ottoman Empire was never over America. They were taken care of in the First World War. We didn't have to worry about that. You say, well, what about lately? Yeah, well, lately we have a problem because here's what happens. You know, God can give you victory after victory after victory. But pretty soon, if you don't start acknowledging that, as he he says here in Nehemiah, he's going to let, verse 27, he's going to let their enemies, after giving them all those victories, he's going to let their enemies take charge of them. Because you'd think the victories of the Lord would cause us to be more faithful to God. But many times are prone to wonder that we can feel and we can know. And I know that there's more victories to come. I mean, the church is victorious, guys. We, we don't always look that way, but we're victorious. Amen. The Bible even tells us, you know what we're going to do? We're going to rule and reign with Jesus. It's not just Israel that's going to have their their feet on the necks of their enemies for a thousand years. It's going to be the church that's exalted. The Bible says he's made us kings and priests unto our God. And we shall reign with him. You suffer with him, you'll reign with him. We're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If I, if I see that victory, and I know that victory, and I, I know my life is going to be... I don't know what you're disappointed or defeated about right now. But I tell you what, in a hundred years, you won't even think about that if you're saved. Amen. You'll be enjoying the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And he gave them victory after victory after victory. Maybe they got used to it. They should have been Thankful. And obedient. He not only gave them kingdom and nations. But look at verse 22. He says, moreover thou gavest them kingdoms and nations. And didst divide them into corners. What is that talking about? So they possessed the land. Look how many times the word land is used. They possessed the land of Sihon. And the land of the king of Hespon. And the land of Og. Verse 23 Middle of the verse, brought us them into the land. Verse 24, so the children went in and possessed the land. And thou subduest before them the inhabitants of the land. End of the verse, and the people of the land that they might do with him as they would. Verse 25, and they took strong cities in a fat land. He not only gave them kingdoms and nations, but he gave them land. And he says, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to divide it into corners. I'm going to give each of you a corner. God was good at that. He didn't say, I'm going to let all the he didn't say, I'm going to make all the land uh, the property of the federal government. He said, I'm going to give it to the tribe of Judah, and the tribe of Benjamin, and the tribe of Naphtali, and, and I'm going to put uh, Simeon over in this corner. And I he, he scattered that, that inheritance, all that land. He, he gave them all a piece of land. He gave them all a piece of land. The only ones he didn't give a piece of land were the Levites, but he gave them cities. They still had some ownership there. You say, well, what can we learn about that? You know, you'd think if God gave you land that you didn't buy, and God gave you land that you didn't previously own and your forefathers didn't previously own, you'd have so much appreciation for the, for the land that God gave you. You know, anybody here that owns any property, I guess you're pretty grateful for that. There may be maybe some of you are renting, but you still look at that as your private property. And your dream is probably not to keep renting forever. You know, I'd say this. If you've got a piece of land, you ought to be thankful to God for it. Amen. If you've got a piece of property, you ought to say, thank God, look what I've got. You say, no, preacher, I, I bought and paid for this. Mm, I don't know about that. Because you know what I read back over there in Psalm 24? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's (laughs) and the fullness thereof. You know who the land belongs to? Belongs to Jesus. All the land belongs. And by the way, one day he's going to come back and he's going to take it back. And nobody, private property, you talk about private property. This earth is the private property of God Almighty. It belongs to him. You say, I worked hard. No, 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 it's his. He made it. Try to go make your own land. I've heard that all my life. You know, you better buy some land. They're not making any more of it. Well, they didn't make it. (laughs) God made it, and it belongs to Him. Do you look at your place? Here's what I think would happen. God gave them a little corner here and a corner there and a corner there. And they started to look. Boy, this is this land. And generation after generation, this is my land. This land is your land. This land is my land. No, it's not. It's God's. You in your small corner and I in mine. But it's all God's land. It's all God's property. Amen. You know a great day will dawn on you when you realize that everything you got's got is God's property. Amen. Matter of fact, you're God's property if you say it. You don't even belong to you. That ain't even your hand. That's his hand. That ain't even your brain. That's his brain. Sometimes I'll pray and say, Lord, please help your brain to work right. You know what? The IRS think the property's theirs. It's not their property. One day the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back and put an eviction notice. <laughs> and by the way, they say, well, we took the Indians' land. No, we didn't. That's not their land either. Anybody listen to me? It's not the Indian's land, it's not uh, the federal government's land. It's not your land. it's God's land. And if you have some of it, you ought to thank Him for the corner that He gave you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, you've been good to me. And I appreciate this. Amen. There's something about Americans. They like land. We like to go out and, amen, do whatever we want to do on our land. I, I don't know how long that'll continue. But just remember, it's not ours anyway. It belongs to God. And He's just let us use it. He's been a good God to us. You ought to thank Him for it. And it ought to to stir your heart in such thanksgiving and gratitude that you want to do what He says. Because of the land that He gave you. He gave them kingdoms. He gave them nations. He gave them land. He gave them something else. Look at verse 23. Verse 23. Their children also multipliest thou as the stars of heaven. Well, that's a lot of kids. You know, God told Abraham that back in Genesis 15, 5, didn't he? He said, I'll multiply your seed like those stars. Look up there at the stars. That's how many kids I'm going to give. Don't take that personal. I got a I was uncomfortable after there, but. But if you've got kids, you know what you ought to do? You ought to say, thank you, Lord, for giving me these kids. Amen. When's the last time you thanked God? for? Remember, remember when you wanted kids so bad? There's a lot of people that don't have children that wish they could have children. There's a lot of people that have children that, that are burdened over them. But what I'm saying, if God gave you some children, you ought to thank God for Don't you remember when you held that child in your arms for the first time? And you were so happy? Stay happy. Say, Lord, thank you for this child. Thank you for these children that you've given me. He said in verse 23, Their children also multiplied as the stars of heaven and brought us them into the land concerning which thou hast promised to their fathers that they should go in to possess it verse 24 so their so the children went in and promised and possessed the land the children got what the fathers didn't even have god was good to their children oh you know what that speaks to my heart about I think God made some promises to our forefathers that we the children are getting. We're we're reaping the benefits of that. We have possessed the goodness of God that he has bestowed upon our forefathers. We're the children just enjoying the possessions and enjoying the blessing. I I have no uh, doubt in my mind that some of the hand of God and the blessing of God and the touch of God upon my life has not been about me. It's been about my father and it's been about my mother and it's been about my grandparents and it's been about the forefathers that love God enough to have the blessing of God on their life. And I'm reaping the benefits. I don't think God's just come down to me and said, oh, what a wonderful person you are. I'm going to bless you. I'm blessed because of somebody else. Amen. God blessed their children. Guys, we're so blessed. Amen. We have freedom because somebody died for it. We have a nation that's not totally godless, though we're getting close there, because there were people that honored God and respected God. And God blessed them. And we're reaping the benefits of that. I think the children should have said. You know what happens with children a lot of times? They grow up in a blessed family and then they, they begin to think that, that for some reason they deserve all of this. I mean, my, my dad, my dad worked hard. My dad was the first person in his family that went to college. I mean, he picked cotton. He he worked he, he worked himself to the bone to help so he could go to school. And he went to school. And my, his parents didn't have any money to send him to school. I'm not saying he's self-made man. He just worked really hard, really, really hard. And he was he was in school getting his education. And and mom was working a little job to try to help pay the school bills. they, they, they sacrificed and worked hard. And here I come along, I'm born in a family, and I, I'm living in a brick house, and my brother and I share a room. We got to share a room. And then later on, I got my own room. i am like, boy, if they said, now you've got to move back in with each other, that would have been a bummer. <laughs> I'd say, you know, I, 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 can't, I, can't, I can't be in a room with him again you know what, I didn't work for that house. I didn't didn't put my nose to the grindstone to have a good life for myself. It was all provided for me. But you know what, as a child growing up in that environment, I I can not appreciate that or just expect it or feel like it was owed to me or I'm entitled or it's just supposed to be that way probably it would do a lot of young people good to go to Malawi for about a week and live in the homes of the people. No, I was blessed because of somebody else. And I'm no better than the people that live in Indonesia or Mozambique or India. I'm blessed. Guys, we're so blessed. I think, I think half our problem in the Christian life, we don't, we don't see the blessing. We don't see all that we possess as a gift of God, not because we're good American people that deserve this. Poppycock on that. God's just been good to us. And you would think, being so good to us and providing us so many things, we say, Lord, I just think I'll do whatever you want me to do. But that's not the record. That's not the testimony. Keep reading. He, they not, only give them, he not only gives them kingdoms and nations and land and children. Look at verse number 25. And they took strong cities and the fat land, and possessed houses full of all goods. Wells digged, vineyards and oliveyards and fruit trees in abundance. So they'd eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in that great goodness. You know what Nehemiah doing? You know what they're doing here? These, This remnant in chapter 9. They are recounting the goodness of God in their life. And they're not saying, oh God, please help us. We're in such a bad... They're saying, oh God, you've been so good to us and we've made a mess of it. They're not. They're not. They're not saying, "Oh, woe is me!" And this, and it was bad. They were having issues. No, they're focusing on the goodness and the blessing of Almighty God upon their life that was totally undeserved. Because this is the testimony: when they came into the land, they took strong cities, and they came into a fat land. You know the the verses: a land flowing with milk and honey, right? And uh, grapes. You know, they had to put it between two poles. My pastor, Bobby Grubbs, he baptized me. He he preached that message on that. And he said that they'd use those grapes for shower caps. They'd suck out the juice and put them (laughs) on their head. That's a pretty big grape. A land, fat and full and blessed. Guys, do you know when they came into that land and God gave them that land, they, they didn't even have to build all the houses. They were already built. Look, look, look at verse number 26 or 25 again. They took strong cities in the fat land and possessed houses full of all goods. They went in, God gave them the victory, and there were houses built, and, and, and it was full of stuff. Yeah. 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 It's like, um uh, like, what's that, what's that? Yeah, the three little bears, you know. You walk into a house, and there's all this, there's the porridge, and there's the, can you imagine God just letting you walk into a place and you don't have to build a house? You can just pick which one you want. When they conquered the kingdom, see, this is what people understand. When they conquered the kingdom, God gave them all the stuff. I think we'd have been better off if we'd have just, you know, sort of impounded Iraq. Well, that's not popular. I guess I'll move off on that. Just took their. We, when you fight and win, you get to keep everything. But we don't have that mentality They came in and they won, and they would go into a strong city and they'd say, Glory to God, God gave us the victory. And they'd say, All right, which house do you want? (laughs) I'll take that one over there. And they went in that house, and the cupboards were full, and there were toys in the rooms for the kids. They were full. (laughs) You talk about Christmas. Walking in, woo! This is all ours. That it's all yours. Wonder what the neighbors got. And that was everybody. Yeah. He gave them houses full of good things. Not only that, look at all these material, this material wealth. They gave possessed houses full of all goods, all goods. I mean, they were stocked to the to the gills. Wells digged. They didn't even have to dig their own wells. <laughs> they already had all the... the, the hey Amen. The utilities were already there. Plenty of water. Vineyards. <laughs> Oliveyards. fruit. Can you see what God's given them? They go into land. They didn't plant the trees. They didn't tend to the vineyards and the olive. It was already... God just set the table and said... Enjoy it. Man, what a good God. You so, say, well, I wish that had happened to me. It has. You know what you have? You go, you go into the grocery store and you didn't plant that food. An American, we, we go today in the grocery store and you can buy anything you want to buy as long as you got money. Well, even if you don't have money, you can buy it. Government may give you a piece of paper or you might pull out plastic. Isn't that right? You didn't raise that beef. You didn't raise the hogs. Well, a couple of you did, but not many. You didn't raise all the vegetables. God forbid, knows you didn't ground your wheat. I think it's funny, all these people want to get back to the land and do all the stuff like they did, you know, and ground all their wheat. I don't want to do that. I want to buy it. I tried some of that for a little while. Nah. Help yourself. I'm going to the grocery store. Amen. And you'll dabble in a little bit. You won't dabble in it the whole way. I'd like to see you raise your own wheat and not buy anything <laughs> and make all of your flour, all your cornmeal. I, 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 I thank God I got a store I can go to. Amen. And God's blessed us that way. I think some Americans don't even know where all their food even comes from. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know the blessing of being able to store and meat is there? I've had to live in countries where there was, there was no meat there to buy. And yet God is, you so say, he doesn't give me everything. Go to Publix. Guys, you do know half the world eats rice three times a day, don't you? You do understand that, right? You do know there are cultures where all they get for, for, for food all day long is one piece of bread. That's it. And what do we do? We, we go in the store and we complain. And this is high. Yeah. I bet there's some places that wish they could buy high food. Because yeah. yeah. they don't have any food. Yeah. Yeah. No, ours is, which type of cereal do I want? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You're right? Which brand do I want to buy? You're not raising your own coffee beans. No. You're going in there and say, which which... Which roast do I want? Right? You know what that is, guys? Listen to me. It's the goodness of God. You said, no, it's our Western civilization. You've lost your mind. It's the goodness of God because every good and every perfect gift comes from above. It wasn't just the Israelites that went in and the vineyards were there and the olives were there and the houses were full. Our houses are full. Our houses are full. Houses are full. we got to rent storage shelters to put our junk in. Full to here and fat. That's what our text says. She, oh, he's going to preach on fat people. No, what? I'm trying to give you an illustration. You know why Americans have so much health problems? They didn't have the problems we have today in the 20s and 30s. Most of our problems are because we have so much. And God's blessed us. And the rest of the world is living on bar time. And we got all these good things. And we kick the can and complain instead of walking up and raising our hands and saying, "Well, glory be to God. I could pick whichever kind of milk I wanted today. And it's, cold. and it's cold. I get to drink cold water, pure water. Travel around somewhere and you'll, you, you won't drink the water. You, got, you, you, you let that tap run and God just fills it up with clean water. Well's already dug. And you, you should step back and say, well, glory to God, we got water. Glory to God, the lights came on today. Amen. No, we expect it. Do you see what I'm saying? We expect it when it's the blessing of God on our lives. It's the blessing of God on our country. And He deserves the praise for it and the gratitude. And it can be gone that fast. And it was with these people. It says they gave them wells, dig and vineyards. You know, I look at this not just in a materialistic sense, but guys, how much God has filled our houses with... With good things. With the truth of the Bible. we got Bibles. You know how many places they can't get a copy of the Bible. And you've got the Bible. And you've got a well. Amen. You've got a well from God. A spiritual water of life flowing in you. And you've got the water of the word of life given to you. Some people, if they could drive two hours, they couldn't find a church. Giving them a drink from God if they wanted to. There's not one there. And yet we've got... Wells already dug for us. That our forefathers dug a long time ago for us and paid the price. And we just get to turn on the tap from the well that they dug. Are you thankful for it? They did eat and were filled and became fat and delighted themselves in thy great goodness. Do you see that? You'd think somebody would be in such a case, would step back and say, Oh, Lord, you've been so wonderful to me. What would you have me to do? Can I do something for you, Lord? That's what Brother Earl always told me to do. He said, Brother Brent, you need to ask the Lord. Ask the Lord what you can do for him. Tell him to give you something real hard to do. Because he's just been so good to you. Lord, what can I do for you? You've done all this for me. What can I do for you? But our text says in verse 26, nevertheless, what a sad word. It didn't matter how much God was good to them doesn't matter what all they had done for him, what all he had done for them. Nevertheless, they were disobedient and rebelled against thee. Hasn't God done enough for us to deserve our unconditional obedience? What are you disobedient about? And doesn't God deserve better than that from you? Amen. Yes. What are you disobedient about? We've got a whole Bible field of things we're supposed to be and do for the Lord. We're not to do them out of fear or torment or guilt. We all do them out of love. The love of Christ constrains us. Amen. Lord, you've given me my house and my life and my land and my goods and my children and my freedom Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it, Lord. I believe if my mother and dad would come up to me, there there was a a little bump in my life where I had some rebellion in me as a teenager. But I think for the most part in my life, if my mom and dad would come up to me and said, son, we, we really need you to do something for us. Just out of the goodness that I had received from them, I would have put no qualifications, on agreeing to whatever they ask Amen. because of their goodness. You know, we got kids growing up in homes and there's no appreciation there and that's why there's no obedience there. What I'm trying to link with, with our minds is this church. Listen to me. Listen to me. This is what I'm trying to get you to connect. When you're not grateful for all the blessings, it is so easy to disobey. People disobey because they're not thankful. They're not appreciative of the life that God's given them. They were disobedient and rebelled against thee. No! They're saying no to the same God that gave them that house free. Full! Oh, how could we say no to a God that's given us a free house? It's given us a mansion in glory. It's given us a salvation, amen, that's full and complete and never ending. How could I ever say no to him? They rebelled against thee. And cast thy law behind their back. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear that preaching. I don't want to hear what you have to say, God. I don't want to hear your word. Not interested. They ignored the book. They didn't read it. They didn't love it. They didn't live it. They cast thy law behind their back. Mark it down. When we quit being Bible readers, it's because we're not appreciative of the book God's given us. And when we quit being Bible livers, it's because we put it behind our back and say, well, I've got other things to do. And if we were so appreciative, it was not that long ago, church, where people begged to have a copy of that, even in the English Bible. The, the, the plow boy, the little boy, and he, he, he didn't have a copy. He couldn't read the Bible for himself. The Catholics tried to hide and keep the Bible from, from all the public. They didn't want people reading the Bible. And yet God did a miracle and gave us a Bible. And we seemingly cast it behind our backs because we we don't listen to it. We don't read it. We're not loving it. We're not treasuring it anymore. It's because of a lack of gratitude. Cast thy law behind their backs and slew... Watch verse 26. Slew thy prophets which testified against them to turn them to thee. How do you repay God? God. You kill the people that he sends to try to bring you back in the way. And notice, they didn't kill all the prophets. They only killed the prophets that testified against them. That? By the way, you ought to thank God when he testifies against you. It shows you that he loves you. That he is interested in you. That he's trying to help you. The only prophets they're upset are the ones that testify against them. And the prophets are trying to turn them to thee. Those prophets aren't trying to just make their life miserable or hard or just throw them in the dirt and kick them while they're down. That's not what the prophets are doing. The prophets are trying to turn them back to God. Oh, we need to turn back to God. We have plenty of turning we need to do to God. Most most of the time it's because we don't look at all the things in our lives as blessings. They slew thy prophets which testified against them to turn to thee. And they wrought great provocations. They provoked God the way they lived. He doesn't even list all those. There's no telling what all they did to provoke God to anger. They provoked him so many times in the wilderness... They provoked him when they got in the promised land. I tell you what, I, you can provoke God, church. You don't want to provoke God. True, amen. There are things you can do that you can really provoke Him to anger. If you don't blame, you say, "Well, that's Old Testament." Ananias and Sapphira is not Old Testament. Right. He dropped them dead as a rock. They provoked him. The church at Corinth in communion is not Old Testament. They provoked him. They had great provocations. Now, I'm, I'm going to finish up with Deuteronomy 32. Would you go there? I want to ask you how obedient are you? Do you want to be a good child of God? Deuteronomy 32, this is not a steadfast rule, but would you hear me just a second? There are exceptions to what I'm fixing to say. But listen to me. So many times our children are disobedient to us because they've seen our disobedience to God. Where do you think children learn their attitude and their disobedience? And where do you think those children will learn to love God and submit to God? Guys, I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you just as well as I'm standing here. If we don't have in our lives a continual testimony of submission to God and humbling before God and listening to God and being open to God and being obedient to God in every area, don't be shocked and surprised when the apple don't fall far from the tree. And the best thing you can do for your kids is to be 100% obedient to Jesus. Amen. But the question is, do you want to be a good child of God? Why why, why do we have this great story? I'm finished. But why do we have this great story? I man? We, we shout it out. Boy, he gave them kingdoms, he gave them nations, thirty-one kings, victory, gave them land they didn't buy, gave them houses full of good things, gave them wells dig, vineyards, oliveyards. Look, look at how he's blessed them. Why are they disobeying? Why are they rebelling? Why did they throw his law, his book behind their back? Why? Deuteronomy 32. Same reason that it happens in our lives sometimes. Deuteronomy 32, verse 15. But Jeshurun waxed fat and kicked. Do you see that? All the blessings caused him to kick back at God. Thou art waxen fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. One other verse, I'm sorry, Deuteronomy 8, just a couple pages back. This is why, after all God's done for us so many times, we fall into disobedience and rebellion in our lives. Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says in verse number 7 For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks, of waters, of fountains, and depths that spring out of valleys and hills. Isn't that beautiful? A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil, olive and honey. A land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full. Then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee beware lest excuse me beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments And his judgments and his statutes which I commanded this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein. And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied. And all that thou hast is multiplied. Then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Why is it so hard? To have revival and a moving of God in American Christianity. We're full and we're fat and we're unthankful. And we just forget about God. And we think we don't need him as much as those depression era saints just barely got by through life but they met in church with joy and gladness and a song in their heart and they'd flood the altar and they'd pray and they'd thank God and they'd weep and cry and hold their hands up and spend time in prayer with God because they knew how much they need Him because they, they were not full. It's not a sin to be full but it is a sin to forget God. It is not a sin to be blessed but it is a sin Not to in turn to say, God, thank you so much that I will do whatever you want me to do.